Uh, we're in the third week, like Jeff was saying, third week of a five-week series on this Old Testament scripture called Lamentations. And um, I was thinking if I were in the seats, I might be asking the question, why would a church like this take five weeks before Easter to cover a book like Lamentations? Why would you give so much focus to this unknown New Testament book? And so I wanted to answer that question first. And the first reason was we actually covered this book in the basic ministry at UNI's campus that meets on campus every week. We actually did this series there last spring, and it had incredible power in the lives of college students. They loved it. They like said, we've never heard this stuff, and we actually did a board like Jeff is talking about that's out in our lobby. We actually did it at UNI. And like kids were plastered to that board reading those stories of lament. So whenever one of our ministries does something that seems to be blessed by God and seems to have a lot of power, then we ask ourselves, should that come to Sunday morning? And so that's the first reason. The second reason is, we're covering Lamentations, is this, um, we are very committed to your spiritual growth, to our spiritual growth together. We're very committed to that, and in fact, we've studied spiritual growth a lot, and we use this slinky, we have it on a slide, this slinky, which is six stages of spiritual growth that our lives and the lives of people in the New Testament of the Bible and the lives of past Christians have gone through. And, you know, we implemented this a decade ago, and if you hear our teaching and you're here regularly, you'll see this slinky every three or four months. Because we understand that the Christian life isn't like up and to the left, a graph like that. It's more like a circular thing that you go through over and over again, like a slinky. And it has six stages, and the first stage is, um, uh, it's when you come to faith. And you and I, we need to come to faith at some point in where we need to give all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of Jesus... We need to come to faith, and so a lot of us did that as kids. Uh, maybe we did it in college, and there's even, it's like a slinky. There are places where I learn new things, and I need to come to a deeper faith, right? So stage one, come to faith. Stage two, I need to um, live this life of discipleship. I, uh, I need to shift my allegiance from me being on the throne of my life to Jesus being on the throne of my life. I'm no longer the boss. He's the boss. And that's a continual journey that we need to keep going through over and over again, right? And then the third stage is, once I've done that and made Jesus the king of my life, we sing about that, once I've done that, then I want to serve him. I want to respond out of his love to love him back. And so I find a way to serve him. Maybe take food to the neighbor. It's maybe uh, serve as an usher here in the church. It's maybe take care of babies. It's maybe be a part of one of our youth groups. But we want to serve God. Not to earn his love but as our response to him first loving us. When someone loves you that deeply, you want to do something for them. Well, that's how far when we first started this a decade ago, we understood about growth. And so we were challenging people to serve and find their sweet spot and all that. And then um, we discovered there's a stage four. Stage four is this journey inward. It's like uh, it actually is uh, implemented lots of times when you're knocked on your spiritual butt. It's like you're going along, everything's fine, I'm serving in the church, and then all of a sudden tragedy comes into my life. And it doesn't have to be gigantic. I mean, it could be like I tried to get a job and I didn't get it. It could be like I'm a college student and I am hoping for a spouse, but I'm not meeting anyone. Uh, or it could be like the death of a loved one. Or it could be this prognosis of cancer. 
but I get knocked on my spiritual butt. And there's a lot of growth that happens there. And then I go to stage five, which is serving. It's, it's called outward again. It's um, journey outward. It's serving with a clearer motivation. In stages one, two, and three, I'm thinking the answers to questions are important. Then I get cancer. And there are no answers to questions. Why me? How long will I live? How's this going to go? There are no answers. And eventually, when I'm there, I learn there's only one answer. Jesus. Jesus is the answer. It really doesn't matter what I thought I needed for answers back in stage one and two. I need to relate and depend on him. Stage five is about learning that my faith can't be based on answers to questions. My faith is based on a man. And then stage six, this is a hilarious stage. Um, uh, this is like, I, ca I call it Mother Teresa. I call it everyone around you thinks you're crazy. Um, people who know your calendar and how you're living your life, they think you're a little off. Your accountant sees how you're spending your money and giving your money, and he thinks you're a little off. Um, all of these people who don't know Christ and aren't at this stage think you're, you look a little bit crazy. And then you learn something new and you end up back in stage one again. You go, wow, I got to relearn this stuff, right? So it's like a slinky of growth. Well, here's the deal. Lamentations is the book of the Bible that's really good at stages four, five, and six. And because as a church, we know we need to help people with stages four, five, and six, along with one, two, and three, Lamentations fits. The um, third reason. So first reason is we did it at basic and it had a lot of power. Second reason is we care about our spiritual growth. Third reason is everybody's grieving something. I never knew this till about three weeks ago. I actually never knew this. Um, I'm walking with a couple, Mary Beth and Darwin Bolts, and Mary Beth has been an elder and a friend of mine for decades, and Darwin's got this uh, horrific cancer. And so they're walking day after day after day through all this stuff. She's sitting here, she read it in a book, and then she's sitting here last service uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And she said, Dave, the book said, everybody's grieving something. And she said, I sat in the seat, and I looked at everybody I knew around me, and I realized it's true. Everybody's grieving something. So then the, I said to myself, that's interesting. So then I came to church, and I sat over here, and I looked at everyone I knew and the stories I knew about their lives, that I knew, obviously, some of you I don't know. Um, and I realized everybody is grieving something. So why not take a look at Lamentations, which is about grieving and complaining to God? So uh, those are the reasons we're covering it. Let me give you a definition. What is lament? This is a definition all of our teachers are using. Lament is the process that brings pain, grief, and loss into God's presence. Now, I added these words for the purpose of humans thriving. We don't complain just to complain. We don't bring this into God's presence just to do it. We actually come to understand, this is, what I, this is the point I'm trying to make today, that when I do this, when I put my groaning, my pain into words and bring it to God, it actually helps me improve and grow spiritually. And so that's what we're... Um, trying to say today, and there's a tendency when we have pain, 
emotional pain, spiritual pain, uh, tragedy in our lives, the tendency is to try to, like a beach ball, hold it underwater. We try to distract ourselves from it. Well, the last thing we want to do is ruminate on it, right? Humanly. But I think the Bible teaches us we ought to um, let it up, look at it, and lament, which means put it into words, and talk to God about the pain. So uh, this is what Lamentations does. And I want to show you how it works. Uh, here, Lamentations chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And we have a slide on this. Um, let me read it. Tell you what the poet is saying. Now remember, this is in poetic language. Alice talked about that a couple weeks ago. How the Lord has covered daughter Zion. Well, what the heck does that mean? Well, daughter Zion is Israel. The Lord has covered Israel with what? The cloud of his anger. Now, this is the poet telling you how he feels. He's saying, this is what it feels like, God. He's putting it into words. It feels like you are so incredibly angry at my nation. God has hurled down the splendor of Israel from heaven to earth. Our splendor's in the dirt. If we were to write this today in ours, that's what we'd say. Our hope and our splendor's in the dirt. He, God, has not remembered his footstool. A footstool is like a, a favorite uh, belonging. You know, I'm going to pull over my footstool and put my feet up. And so Israel was a favorite belonging of God, but not anymore in his day of anger. This is what it feels like. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. He's, uh, actually, the poet's walking around Jerusalem, and the houses are rubble. The temple is rubble. It's just rubble. There's nothing left. In his wrath, it feels like God has torn down the strongholds of, of daughter Zion. The, uh, Judah, again, Israel. The walls around Jerusalem are shattered. He has brought her kingdom and its princes down to the ground of dishonor. Those people we looked up to, our kings and our priests, they are now slaves. They're digging in the dirt for food. In fierce anger, he's cut off every horn of Israel. Everything we thought was going right is gone. He has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of, this is an amazing one, at the approach of the enemy. Here's what it feels like, God. When the enemy was coming at us, right when we needed you, you were not with us. Have you ever felt that way? God, is today the day I needed you the most and I can't feel your presence? I've felt that way. And at some point, I need to put that into words. Um, he, is, uh, he has withdrawn his right hand at the approach of the enemy. He has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything around it. It's like 9-11 on steroids in Israel. That's what it's like, God. 9-11 on steroids in Israel. All is lost. You hate us. Basically is what the poet, I'm not a poet, so I don't say it poetically. Okay, now, um, here's the amazing thing. Why is this in the Old Testament? Why is this in the Bible? Because God is wanting to demonstrate to us it's okay. I've spent the last three years since our family's tragic accident where my son and two grandkids were killed, I've spent the last three years learning to lament, learning to put pain into words so that it would help me and maybe even help some people in the congregation. Um, 
Some of you have heard this three years ago. Ben, Charlie, and Bailey were killed on this highway. And uh, I talked with Aaron and found out, got in my car and drove 20 hours and just groaned all the way. And since then, something interesting has happened, something unexpected to me has happened, is when people now in our congregation, and we have a great congregational family, right? Uh, several thousand people call Orchard their spiritual home. So when someone goes through deep pain or agony, I am one of the people they would like to talk to. Why? Because Dave knows what it feels like to be socked in the gut with a huge loss. So when someone loses a loved one, you know, we have lots of great leaders who walk with them, but one of the people they'd love to talk to is me. So it's been my honor over the last three and a half years, well, before then too, but now more so than ever, to like walk with people who are going through this, which is what Lamentations is about. Several things I would love you to take out of here today. Number one, groaning is just fine with God. Groaning is just fine with God. It's okay when you hurt so much that you don't even have words for it. And groaning might last a minute or an hour or a day or a decade. And some of you... Um, are still have this groaning now and then from something that happened 10 years ago. It's okay. Groaning is just fine with God. Uh, if you need proof, uh, here's a verse, Lamentations 121. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me. Again, this is the poet writing. Deal with them as you dealt with me because of my sins. My groans are many and my heart is faint. Groaning is just fine with God. In fact, the Bible says God groans. Look at this verse in Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit of God, that part of the Trinity that's God, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us through wordless groans. Do you ever know that? Do you ever know that some days you don't know what to pray? You don't feel like praying? And God's Holy Spirit takes those things you don't know, and he groans them to God without words. The Bible says that in several places. The Holy Spirit of God prays prayers you ought to pray, but are unable to or don't know. In groans. So I think groaning is just fine with God. Um, honest, deep, painful groaning has its place in our journey. And during that place of groaning, you may, stage four, in growth, you may ask questions you thought you had already answered. I keep saying this because to me it's so important. People come into my office and they say, Dave, I think I'm losing my faith. And I listen to them for a while and they're groaning and they're re-asking, is God real and does God love me? And, and eventually I walk over to my desk, my file cabinet, I pull out the slinky and I come over and go, I've got good news for you. You're not losing your faith. It's being driven deeper because you've been knocked on your spiritual butt. It's okay to re-ask the questions. In fact, Jesus was God. And what was his question from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Questions don't bother God. They don't bother him at all. Groaning doesn't bother God. It's just fine with him. So if you hurt down deep, it's okay. Second thing, eventually when you're ready, putting those groanings into words is important. That's what actually Lamentations is doing. Uh, back, to the, uh, back to the verse that I read. Um, uh, Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. See, he's putting it into words. His wrath has torn down the strongholds. He's putting it into words. There's a time where, when you're ready, you need to take this giant ouch, remember, an hour, a week, a month, a decade, I don't know how long, and then you start to put it into words. Why do you put it into words? Because that's the way you let the beach ball out of the water and decrease the pain. And I don't know how to, I don't know if you should write a poem. I'm not a poet. I don't know if you should journal. I don't know if you should go for a walk with God in the woods. But eventually, at some time, you need to say to God the kinds of things Lamentation says to God. And you need to put it into words. Now, some of you are quicker to put things into words than others. I'm a slow putting into words. That's why I understand this so well. I can feel something an awful long time, and then I have to convert it to words. And so, um, um, because it's deep, right? Okay, so uh, eventually when you're ready, putting groanings into words is important. So figure out how you best do that. And like, this isn't just big things. Uh, uh, one of the guys in our church who hires people said after the last service, he came to me and said, Dave, I had to call a guy this week and tell him he didn't get the job. And that was so painful for that guy. It doesn't have to be a death or a disease. It can be like regular life disappointments that at some point, I still say, God, I believe you're God. I believe you have a plan for me. And ouch, I didn't get this one, and it hurts. Number three. Oh, oh one more thing about this phase. Don't pretend to have answers you don't have. Don't pretend to have answers you don't have. This is part of growth. Eventually, in your growth, you have to understand my faith isn't based in the answers to questions. I'm going to say that again. Eventually, in your spiritual growth, you have to understand your faith isn't based on answers to questions. It's based on I believe in a man, just like the song said, who breathed after he was dead and came back to life and is our living hope. And how I learned it is are really important questions that I don't have answers for. And I have to ask, do I still believe? I have no idea why God allowed Ben, Charlie, and Bailey to be killed on that highway in Florida. I have no idea. And I don't like most of the answers people offer me. I don't know how that represents his love. I don't. I don't know how a good God allows that. I don't. I honestly don't. But here's what I figured out. My faith in God cannot be based on some answers I think I have. It's based on the fact that Jesus took sin on the cross and he walked out of the grave. And he's God. And he made promises to me about heaven and salvation. 
So um, we stay, number three, we stay in the place of lamenting and we come back to that place as long as needed. Uh, there's an interesting thing about the book of Lamentations, which I personally love. Two and a half poems of pain and grief and anguish and being mad at God, five verses of hope, and then two and a half more um, poems of uh, pain and grief and loss. And you know why I think the, poem did, the poet did that? Why God instructed the poet to do that? Because that's just like life. I have a lot of pain, and then here's some hope, and then I have some more pain, and then here's some hope, and then I have some more pain, and then here's some hope. I'm lamenting, and then I get a, a flash of light, and I think, wow, God is good. I sing that song, God is good. And then all of a sudden, I'm down in the depths again for a while. Right? Is that your experience? And again, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. So we stay in the place of lamenting. We come back as long as we have to. We, we uh, you know, I, I found that holidays for me. I found that birthdays are times in our situation, in our journey, that kind of bring back the lamenting, bring back the pain, which is a good thing. I like it. I like to refeel the pain because it speaks to me of the love. Some of you are understanding this because you've buried moms and dads and brothers and sisters. And you understand that it's important to come back to the pain, to re-say what the loss was about, to write it, to read about it. Again, it doesn't have to be a giant thing. Number four, when you're ready. When you're ready. Hurt, pain, and loss is fertile ground for growth. Did I say when you're ready? Not when some book says you're ready, or not when your coworker thinks you ought to be ready, or not even when your spouse or your brother thinks you ought to be ready, not even when you think you ought to be ready. It's amazing how many people I walk with who go through tragedy and it's two years out from this horrific tragedy, and they go, Dave, I ought to be farther along by now. I go, no. Give yourself grace. I don't know how long it's going to take for you. You don't know how long it's going to take from you. It's a journey, and however long it takes, it's perfectly okay. When you're ready, though, this kind of deep pain... Being knocked on your spiritual butt is like a perfect place for new growth of faith. You don't want to tell that to somebody the day after the tragedy. Oh, you're going to grow through this. That's the last thing they want to hear. You simply want to go and acknowledge it hurts. Um... This is what's so powerful about the book of Lamentations. Now let me give you these inside verses, the verses of hope. And we'll pick up a couple things. Yet this I call to mind. This is Lamentations 3, uh, 21 to 25. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. What do I do to get hope? I call these truths to mind. Where does hope come from? It's in my mind, yet... This I call to mind. Now, what are the truths that you call to mind? It's in the next verse, 22. Because of the Lord's great love, 
We're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. What do I bring into my mind to help me grow when I'm ready? God's love, God's compassion, and his faithfulness is new every morning. Those three things. Bring them into your mind. God still loves me. It hurts. I don't have any answers to any of the important questions, but he still loves me. God is a God of compassion. He feels with me. And God is a God of faithfulness, and his faithfulness is new every morning. Those are the things I bring into my mind right in the midst of the pain, and eventually when I'm ready, they give me hope. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. What does that mean? The Lord is enough. He's all I need. The Lord is enough. He's all I need. I'll wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, the one who seeks him. Okay, here's what I never knew before the accident. I never knew this. It's a part of my growth. Picture your worst day. Picture the worst day of your whole life. God sent some good gifts that day. How do you know? Well, his faithfulness is new every morning. God is a God of love. So on your worst day, he sent some good gifts. My worst day was June 10th, 2014. The day of the horrific accident. The first person on the scene of that accident, down at mile marker 228 in Florida, was an off-duty highway patrolman who loves Jesus. He jumped out of his van and he started to run towards Aaron and Kaya's vehicle. And he said this to me at the time and he said it again to me a week ago. Dave, the Spirit of God was all over that place. I knew before I even got to them that this vehicle belonged to people God loved. When he told me that three years ago, I got mad. I wasn't ready. I got mad because, um, God, if you could be there when he got there, why couldn't you be there a few seconds earlier before the crash? But now, I can look back because I'm more ready. I can look back and go, wow, that was a gift of God to have that guy show up. He's still, three years later, he's a high patrolman. He still carries Aaron and Kaya's picture in his pocket and prays for him every day. Is that a gift of God or what? So on your worst day, when you're ready to see it, there are some gifts there. You're burying your dad. There's some gifts in the celebration around remembering him. God sends gifts on your worst day because he's faithful, and his faithfulness is new every morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, listen to a special song. And this isn't a song we're going to sing along or stand up. This is a song they're going to sing to us, 
and hopefully let the words sink in, because it's a great song that matches the teachings I've been trying to do this morning. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your love, for your grace. Thank you so much for uh, the fact that you are faithful and your faithfulness is new every morning. Every morning you love us and you have compassion. Thank you. Still, we live in a broken world where a lot of things hurt and cause pain, and the world is broken. Help us bring those two together, a loving God and a painful world. Help us trust you. Help us love you back. Help us support each other. Help us hear your truths. In Jesus' name. Amen.